0: The bards must drink and junk it.
1: Hello, friends and strangers. Thank you for listening to Tomorrow We Die, a show about the trials and adventures that happen while touring as a working musician, told to you by people who have built their lives or portions of their lives around writing and performing the music that they love. We are your hosts, I'm John Wisniewski. And
0: I'm Jeffrey McNulty. And every episode, we will bring you an interview with people who are out there day to day grinding against the many odds, just to play as hard as possible to a bartender in an empty room.
1: So here we are at the second show. It feels real. Number two, it is real. No, it's (laughs) it's our (laughs) Jeff, it's our number two. It is. (laughs) I hope we don't shit the bed on this one. <laughs> so when we recorded the first one, it was just us recording in a room with our friend Lupe. True. And none of this was done. It was no, not out there. We didn't have a logo. We were just voices being recorded on a microphone into a machine. We didn't have a website. All we had
0: was a prayer. We had yeah. A prayer and a dream.
1: It was one of those things where the project could have just fucking fizzled. I'm sure many of you people out there you understand started a project and it never goes anywhere (laughs) uh i was full of that anxiety we got the first show out there and it's great and i'm super happy and i'm super proud of it and now holy fuck now we we have to to make more (laughs) yeah we have to have content now. yeah feels real we're gonna make more shows we got a bunch of stuff in the pipe we do it's gonna be slow
0: it's gonna be about one a month i feel like
1: dearest listeners yes (laughs) the millions of people out there Waiting with bated breath. To the tens of people. Yes. (laughs) All 47 of you. We're going to do our best. I think one of the pillars of this show is that it's not going to take over our lives. That's right. We're going to do this at a pace that works for us.
0: And it has to be fun.
1: Yeah. We got to keep it fun. Um, It has to be compatible with boring adult life. (laughs) Um, So we're on it. We have a bunch of shit lined up. We do. We're going to do it at our pace in a way that, that doesn't ruin us. So, uh... Please be patient. So, anyways, um, I was listening back to the first episode, you know, sort of like in the editing process, yeah. and we sort of talk at the beginning and a couple times about your band Bloodhag. Yeah, who used to play
0: libraries. Yeah, people are probably like, libraries. What the fuck? Yeah,
1: we never explained why you played libraries, <laughs> Jeff. Why did Bloodhag, a heavy metal band, perform at libraries at two in the afternoon? Yeah, we. Why is that uh... a thing?
0: We were a band that played songs about science fiction writers. You can easily Google Bloodhag, there's a documentary out there, there's a video, there's lots of content that exists about our band. We were uh, much beloved by librarians because we talked about literacy and we actually promoted literacy and we were technically a literacy program. Our good friend Jeff Katz, we used to have shows, if you recall, he had shows down at the old King County Library there in Seattle. Yeah, I remember. Seattle Library, that's what it was. And we didn't get to play the first one that they had there. It was called Shake the Stacks. I still have the uh, flyer. Mm -hmm. King Cthulhu got to play that one, and I know I was really jealous. I was like, why are you guys playing the library and Bloodhag is not playing the library? My band is the book band. Why (laughs) is your band playing the library They're like, fair enough. And then we played the second show and I think we played with Akimbo.
1: It was was a double whammy. And I think probably at the second show, Teen Cthulhu was jealous. Akimbo and Bloodhag were playing the (laughs) library together.
0: (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Did a short library tour, made a documentary about it. And that got picked up by the National Library System and uh, word got out we got out amongst youth librarians that there was a group of metalheads that would play in libraries, and uh, some people might actually show up. So, But you didn't just play libraries, and you didn't just
1: write songs about science fiction authors. You dressed as if you were a librarian. Yes, we
0: were coming to work when yeah. we played.
1: We had shirts, and, ties, And You espoused ex- the virtues of reading via heavy metal. We did. I believe you
0: guys coined the term EduCore. We did. We made that up because we had to have a genre. Yeah. We had to have a subgenre.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyone out there who's listening, if you want to listen to Bloodhag, it's really easy to look them up. Everything we is, ever did is on Bandcamp. It is short, brutal, heavy metal songs, which are influenced by and
0: about science fiction, screamed at you. Yeah. Well, our whole point was, you know, you can never understand heavy metal lyrics anyway, so that we're <laughs> forcing you to read just there. Yeah. So if you want to know what we're talking about, you actually have to read the lyrics, right? and then we took a little page from uh to turn a phrase we took a page from striper who used to throw out bibles they used to throw bibles out into the crowd and uh when jake and i were first coming up with the idea we were like wouldn't it be funny if we sang songs about only about science fiction writers and we threw science fiction books into the audience Mm -hmm. and forced them to read and that quickly became a very popular part of the show the Book throwing song. Yeah. There'd be like a little, maybe like a hand throwing a book on the set list. <laughs> we wouldn't know <laughs> it was a book throwing song. <laughs> and Jake would come out with his suitcase full of books and pop it open and just start pelting people in the face. Yeah. We quickly figured out that you had to wrap a rubber band around a book or put it in a plastic bag to make it sail as far as we wanted it to.
1: Because it was respectful. You didn't want to like just like huck a book and have it like fall apart no. like some secondhand book, right? Because yeah. like it was all about. Fucking read it.
0: Yeah, read the book. nerd. <laughs> and if someone would throw a book back, God forbid, but if someone would throw a book back, I would freak out. We would always say, you know, this is a gift for you so that you can read something when you're home alone seen, tonight.
1: I, I had seen you guys. I, I saw Bloodhack hundreds of times. I seen you guys stop songs. If enough people threw books back, you guys if would more stop. more than
0: one or two came back. Stop your song. And we'd and, stop the song, and we would harangue that person and almost yes. until they would leave. Yeah. At one point... Actually, many shows on tour, I actually, if too many books came back, I would just drop my guitar and leave my amp, and i just walk out of the club. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It happened numerous times. These assholes don't read. (laughs) While Jake's yelling at them, you know, and Zach's yelling. Everyone's yelling, like, why are these books coming back? These are a gift for you, you know? Yeah. Promoting literacy through heavy metal and... A little bit of violence. Not so good. Yeah, and and also you guys had the best
1: t-shirts of any (laughs) band of all time. Uh, And then uh, a little bit of forecasting. Like we absolutely plan on doing some Bloodhag episodes. That'll happen. Yeah, that'll that'll happen happen in the future for sure. But yeah. So, anyways, if anyone was wondering from the last episode why we were talking about Jeff's band playing libraries, (laughs) now you know. Now you know. Thank you very much, everyone who sent out emails and reviews for the first episode. Uh, That means a lot to us. It was great to hear from a bunch of people we know from the music industry, yeah. band buddies, you know, just friends of ours to
0: hear back about the first show. Super cool. Uh we didn't get any tour stories? No, we're still waiting for tour stories. Tell us your tour stories. Send us a line, you know, just jot a little something, send us an email. And uh we'll read them.
1: Yeah, I really mean that very sincerely. If you have a good tour story, just fucking write it up. Send it to us. We'll read it on the show. We're really excited to hear from you. And if you got a whole bunch, also let us know and maybe we'll call you up and we'll talk to you about coming on the show exactly. for reals. The email address is tomorrowwediepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll plug that again at the end of the show. So who do we have today, Jeff? Uh, Mr. Corey J. Brewer. Corey Brewer. Pretty exciting. Corey is a guy that we both have known of. I know for a we've long rubbed time. elbows with
0: him at shows.
1: Yeah, he's been around the Northwest music scene for exactly as long as, yeah, as us. As long as we have. Yeah. Yeah, just by talking to him and by him telling us how old he is. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, we all came up at the same time in the same scene. Yeah. It's super cool getting to talk to him. That's one of the things I'm really excited about doing this show is that we get to talk to these people who, um, who sort of been like satellite acquaintances. Yeah. Um, Part of the
0: scene. Yeah. You know their face. You know their name. But you don't know them as a friend.
1: Yeah. And over the course of like 10, 15 years, you see them playing in three or four bands. Mm. And then uh, you finally get to meet them and like really talk to them. So this episode is great because Corey's got great stories. And it's also was great for me because I'd known Corey for a long time. But outside of just saying, Hey, what's up, man? Yeah. At like a couple (laughs) shows every like two or three years, I hadn't had a chance to really like sit down and talk to him and really get to know him. So it was great to do that with Corey. And I'm super excited to do that with uh, so many other artists around here in the future.
0: That's the other point of this podcast is we get to hang out with people that are very cool that we might not have had a chance to hang out with.
1: Absolutely. All right. So here we go. Corey J. Brewer, we're going to kick it off listening to some
0: Triumph of Lethargy Skinned Alive to Death.
1: Yes. Long band title. A long band title, which is a uh, band that Corey started with Dan Gallucci from the Murder City Devils and Spencer Moody from the Murder City Devils uh, right after the Murder City Devils broke up. And bummed out a whole bunch of murder yeah, city fans absolutely
0: <laughs> does not sound anything like murder city devils yeah which is totally good yeah and totally yeah. fine and that's what they should have done which is
1: great like totally good on them and yeah. i also remember going to see them i think i saw their first or second show at the crocodile cafe mm. and there was all this hype because of murder city yeah. had just broken up and there's this new band triumph of lethargy skinned alive to death It was like sounds so heavy what's this band gonna be oh my god we have to go see it i remember going to see them at the crocodile and just like if you could visualize a question mark above, a, floating above a human's head, like that was everyone in the audience that night. It was like, what is this? And it turned out being so cool. Yeah, it was that
0: second of this is not a hard punk thing.
1: Jay Brewer. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming Hi. on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we really get into the good stuff, why don't you go ahead and just give us a quick background on how did you get into music? How did you get into underground music?
2: Uh, I grew up in Mount Vernon, Washington, which is like an hour north of Seattle. Mm-hmm. It's like a pretty small town. But luckily in the 90s, there was like a handful of people that opened like an independent record store That only lasted, like, a year, but during that year, it was, like, that was the place that you could get all your Dead Kennedys records Mm -hmm. and stuff. What year is this? This is probably, like... yourself. Yeah, this is probably... How old are you? Yeah, I'm 40 (laughs) years old, Um, so this is probably, like, 1993-ish. Okay. You know, grunge is in, like, full swing. Oh, yeah. And it being, like, a relatively kind of, like, rural spot, after grunge kind of went mainstream, everyone that was into it either... Turned into a hippie or turned into a punk. Mm-hmm. Like nobody really wanted to stay grunge because it yeah. was massively yeah. un, yeah. uncool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to stay grunge, so you either went blind melon or offspring. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or I did neither. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> yeah, so just luckily enough, these guys opened up this record store, and it was a place where like people that were interested in punk records could like hang out all day and drink shitty coffee and smoke cigarettes and occasionally buy a record. Mm-hmm. I remember I tried to buy a Green Day record, like a copy of Kerplunk. And the guy behind the <laughs> counter was like, you could buy this. And he was <laughs> like, or you could get this. And he gave me some compilation that had like Jesus Lizard and the Melvins. Uh-huh. And, like That's uh, a good you, record store. Employee. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. But also um, you
1: kind of just want a Green Day record. I kind
2: of wanted that Green Day yeah. record. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't own it. Um, but uh, these guys also had bands and stuff. And so there were bands in Mount Vernon and they would put on shows. They get bands from Seattle to come up and play. Seaweed played, and, like, Seven Year Bitch came and played. Uh I mean, even earlier than that, like, I've seen Flyers. Fucking Nation of Ulysses played in Mount Vernon. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, with, like, Scream. Uh Uh-huh. So, like, it it was a place that wasn't unheard of if you wanted to play somewhere between Bellingham and Seattle, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's a huge ride.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, so got into, like, underground records that way, and then kind of immediately started playing music. Had a terrible punk band. We wanted to be like the Germs. We mm-hmm. weren't as good as the Germs. Um, <laughs> That's a low bar. It's too. a yeah. super low bar. <laughs> and because of like that record store, it was totally one of those things where we can just dub our own tapes, and then yeah. boom, we have a record label. Yeah. So we like dubbed our own tapes. Got hooked up with Union Pole from Olympia, this underground cassette label that put out a bunch of noise and experimental stuff. They wound up putting out a couple of my noise tapes. Red which totally, like, led to me getting to play outside of Mount Vernon. Yeah. And so, like, I would go and play noise shows when I was, like, 15 or 16 years old in, like, Seattle or Bellingham or, like, Portland. Just super-duper fun. At one point when I was, like, 16, I got I played this noise show in Portland with Noggin, the guys who um, were running the show-off gallery in Bellingham at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. They, like, took me with them. And we get down there, and it's four experimental noise bands on the flyer And then handwritten at the bottom of it, it just said Harvey Danger. (laughs) (laughs) And it was Harvey Danger's first show. And they played before me. (laughs) And I was like, maybe had just turned 16. (laughs) That's awesome. And I did like a 15-minute long noise set. (laughs) (laughs) Thereby propelling Harvey Danger into Into, stardom. Yeah, really the launch pad for them just going all the way to the top.
1: Yeah. What was the name of your first punk band?
2: The Shitsters.
1: The Shitsters. <laughs> yeah. What a good name for yeah. a punk band. That's we eventually
2: awesome. evolved into the Nicotines. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more refined. A little bit more refined. <laughs> By that point, we like knew some chords. Uh huh. The songs had more than two parts sometimes. Occasionally. Yeah. Now, uh, I I
1: go back to like myself at that time frame. If I had seen an ad for a band called the Shitsters in Maximum Rock and Roll, I probably would have ordered that tape. Absolutely.
2: Well, we were banking on it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So fast forward a little bit, like go into some of the bands that you've you've gone on to play with, and then then talk some more about your tour experience.
2: The first band that I was in that actually like went on tour, other than just like weekends and stuff, when you're like a teenager. Yeah, I think I was like nineteen or maybe twenty. I was in a band called Rocks R O X. Wow, <laughs> very helicopter Z.
0: Woo! Rock and roll, mm, like nice.
2: band type of punk band. Don't be surprised. It was 1998. You yeah. know, I mean, it's like <laughs> very of the time. We like toured down the coast twice. Yeah, that band did two tours. I'm pretty sure both were with Federation
0: X. Oh, great! Um, nice.
2: Yeah, awesome band. Uh, we wound up putting out like a split seven inch with them. They were touring in a Chevy Malibu four door. Mm-hmm. And we were touring in a Jeep Isuzu. <laughs> and, like, there was probably, like, eight of us between the two vehicles plus gear yeah, that we were sharing. Yeah, how did gear fit in there? It was, like, in the trunk and in the back of the trooper. <laughs> and then at one point, the trooper stopped turning over. Oh, God. And we had to push start it every time. <laughs> oh, that's a great way to end. <laughs> so it. So we had to push start it every single time. Yeah, yeah. You, you had had to had park on a hill. You had to be
1: really careful about where you park it.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually one time it was in the wrong direction and we had to, like, push start it backwards. I mean, it was a train wreck on just, like, every level. <laughs> yeah. Like, both trips. With FedEx? Uh, yeah, with FedEx. That's so cool. <laughs> That's yeah. so awesome. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was super fun and it was, like, super new to all of us. Ben and Bo had probably done some of that stuff with the Teamsters, mm-hmm. the band, their high school band. Yeah. I mean, but those guys were real deal, legit great. And so it was, like, awesome to get to see them play.
1: Was there a moment on that first tour or maybe like a show or something where you're like, it was affirming, yes, more of this?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, just getting to like get out of town and like play in front of people you don't know. Mm-hmm. And if it's rad, it's rad. And if it's not rad, it's sort of like galvanizing yeah. in a way. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, it was definitely one of those things like, oh, shit, this is great. This yeah. is awesome. This yeah. is kind of what I've always wanted to do.
1: Uh-huh. Was there anything on that first tour that was like, Something that you now know to be totally normal and, like, part of just touring, but was, like, super surprising (laughs) when it happened.
2: Oh, we're done playing this show at this house, and we're also going to crash here, but we're also going to have to stay up for, like, five more hours because everybody wants to rage. (laughs) Yeah, they want to rage because you're in town. Because you're in town. And then you're like, oh, but we raged yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to play at, like, another house tomorrow. They're going to want to, re- and just be, like, <laughs> trying to figure out how yeah. to, like, wait a minute, when do I sleep? <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> is, this, is sleeping going to be a thing? Or, like, is drinking water going to be an option yeah. <laughs> ever? And just kind of figuring that out yeah. kind of quickly, being like, oh, right, you got to plan this. Yeah. You can't just, like, go in and be like, woo, party. Because, yeah. like, three days later, you're like, oh, no, well, I'm not in Guns N' Roses. This yeah. fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the parting
1: comes with a price when it's yeah, like exactly. in
2: weird houses that smell bad. Even yeah. when you're 20 years old, uh-huh. like it's not ideal. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, let's jump ahead. Open book. You have any big stories come to mind or like any
2: good ones? After that band broke up, I got a call from Cody Willis from Murder City Devils. And mm-hmm. like now he's in big, big business. business. And we'd gone to high school together. He's from Mount Vernon. Okay. The Murder City Devils were going to be going on tour. And their merch guy was kind of a They either didn't know where he was, maybe was on probation and couldn't go out of state. Huh. I don't know what the deal was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so unavailable merch person. They'd gotten big enough that they had their full time roadie Gabe. They'd gotten big enough at that point that they needed like, another person to yeah. like selling merch is going to become its own job.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he's doing like tour management yeah, at so that point like, where he's, he's got to like negotiate with the promoters of the club and make sure everything's running smoothly. And doesn't have time to just plan himself at the merch table.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So And he's doing all the driving. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, 95% of the driving and all that. And God, so, that sounds
1: nice. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: And I had just turned 21, so that wasn't a problem. Yeah. Because they were playing almost exclusively bars. And he was like, yeah, do you want to come out for like two weeks and sell merch? And you were like, let me take a long time to think about that. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I thought about it for like a second. Yeah. I was like... I said yes, and then he was like, cool, I don't know what it pays, but we'll give you like 20 bucks per diem. Did the math, I was like, oh man, (laughs) yes, 100%, yes, I am on board.
1: What's the lowest per diem you've
2: ever lived off on tour? Well, zero. Yeah, (laughs) because like...
0: (laughs) When you're in a band. Yeah, because like,
2: because I mean, after the Murder City Devils broke up, Spencer and I started triumph of lethargy mm-hmm. and for a long time it was just the two of us mm-hmm. we would tour just the two of us and it was just sort of like if money came in then great <laughs> it wasn't consistent enough that we were like yeah so you get 20 bucks a day now. it was just <laughs> yeah. sort of like cool we're gonna put all the money in this box and when yeah. we need to spend money <laughs> and every once in a while we'd look at each other and be like do you want to buy dinner out of the box yeah. we'd be like yeah totally yeah. and yeah. you know that'd be it so yeah 20 bucks a day 20 bucks a day i mean it was awesome like i'd probably met most of those folks once or twice. Mm -hmm. And then I was just in a van with them for three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. And that was just like super duper fun. And it was like touring on a different way than I'd ever toured before. It was like clubs. Yeah. And generally a lot of times those clubs would give you like food. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you'd be like, oh (laughs) shit. So you're gonna get at least one meal a day. Uh (laughs) Hang on to your twenty bucks. Yeah. And at first we were all in like one hotel room, which meant because the Murder City Devils had, like, six members, yeah, a mm-hmm. plus Gabe, plus me. Yeah, and so all of a sudden, it's eight people. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh, so you're really close. Yeah, so, like, mm-hmm. we all, like, it was, like, real, like, sink or swim style. Like, yeah. you kind of like, all right, can you hang? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 and it's just, like, quickly kind of, like, figuring out, like, yeah, you know, roll with that many personalities. Yeah. And how do I not get the spot on the floor right next to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> how do I get the spot on the floor over by the window? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> There's four bed spots. I'm not getting any of those for sure. No, like all the way at the bottom of the totem pole. Like yeah. I got, I just got to make sure it's like. Can I get the one under the desk? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a that's a A plus one. Still though, the, my tour favorite floor spot is in between the two beds. Yeah, that's great. Because usually you're right in front of the TV and you can watch a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the like the little, like, end table behind you with the empty spot, Mm -hmm. and you can, like, put your bag in there. there. That is, like, the Rolls Royce of floor (laughs) spots for hotel rooms.
0: That's good. (laughs) It's really funny that we all three know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Uh Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That went on to lead to much more tours with them, right?
2: Yeah. uh, By the end of that tour, they apparently liked me enough that they – kept asking me to come back and I did pretty much every tour they did in between then until they broke up or went on hiatus or whatever. Mm-hmm. In like 2001. Yeah. I mean, they definitely broke up, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, they got back together yeah. like however yeah. many years later at one point they had like a six week long tour with at the drive in mm-hmm. and I only did, like, two or three weeks of that mm-hmm. because I had other shit that mm-hmm. was going on. Also, just, like, start getting, like, crazy anxiety if I was out on the road for too long. Yeah. I kind of mm. figured out after three weeks, I start getting real squirrely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Me it's sort of, like, just homesick. Yeah. And how does that it, manifest? Honestly, just, like, get, like, real, like, quiet and, like, isolated okay. and then, like, emotional. Yeah just like and also like i i am a person that will just like cry like i'm very (laughs) like i've got like a real like i can like like a light switch and (laughs) and like if something hits me the right way Uh and it was totally like one of those things like after like three weeks i just noticed i'm getting super emotional at shit that's like not really consequential it's not important kind of knew that like i tap out at about three weeks (laughs) and um and also, yeah, I had other shit going on. So I wound up not doing the full At the Drive In tour that they did. I did like, I think I did like two weeks, mostly West Coast. Yeah. Which was incredible getting to see At the Drive
1: In yeah. every night. Yeah. For just like,
0: like, bam, bam, two killer bam that was, was, this was is,
1: That was like when
2: Relationship of Command was out, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they were on yeah. the top of their game. And that, at was, that, point.
0: that was still one of the best records that's
1: ever
2: been made. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Relationship of Command like, had just come out. Yeah. And the set was almost entirely In Casino out and Relationship of Command, with yep. maybe one or two songs from that 10 inch, the yeah. boombox uh, yeah, yeah. 10 inch. Every song was killer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, it, yeah. <laughs> it was outrageous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just a great, God, that's so yeah, cool. great yeah. live band. Why would you want to hire someone to do merch for you? And what is merch? Oh sure. So um, yeah, merch is just anything that a band will take on tour to sell:
2: t shirts, records. Murder City Devils would uh, had beer koozies, which were always a big seller. Mm -hmm. They sold out very quickly. Patches, shit like that. Having someone specifically to sell merch, I think just kind of frees up the band members to do pretty much anything else um, (laughs) and not be permanently stuck behind a table where you're sort of easily cornered by some of the weirder people in the population. And hiring someone to do it is super helpful because honestly like being like a nobody people will just sort of like look at you and be like well where are those guys yeah you would be like <laughs> hmm, i don't know you're gonna have to track them down they had kind of gotten to a point where like the skull and crossbones t-shirt was sort of becoming like a ubiquitous. thing yeah everyone it was, had it yeah exactly like the jane doe t-shirt the converge t-shirt or whatever which mm-hmm. is sort of like you just see it everywhere yeah and I think they were just like selling so many t-shirts that they were like, oh, this needs to be somebody's job.
0: And also, and, you when you're in a band, you fight as to say, all right, well, it's your turn to do the merch. Yeah. You right. do merch?
1: Because yeah. <sighs> it is kind of one of those things, obviously not a problem for the Murder City Devils, if you're a band that's not bringing in those kind of people who are like ravenous for merch. Mm-hmm. If you don't have someone at that table at every minute every that the second. show is happening, you're potentially not Getting, selling to somebody who's mm, yeah. like... Happens to be walking through the room when they have the twenty bucks in their pocket and they're like, "I'm gonna buy that shirt," and if they don't see you there. You don't get that, that twenty, 20 bar, bucks. It goes to yeah. the bar, and then they've got ten bucks an hour later, and they don't want to come back or they're hanging out with
0: their friends later. And you really kind of do need someone at the merch table, yeah, yeah. Like, and it is—I like, mean, especially while you're playing, because if someone comes in and they're like, "When they want to buy a shirt is when they see your band and like you," yeah, and they'll like watch <laughs> you for a while and then they wander back. I'm gonna get a t-shirt or a record. These guys are good, and you're not there because you're on stage. Mm-hmm. It's a little rough. I don't think I ever had a merch person. We but did. I wish.
1: We had, We yeah, we took roadies who doubled up as merch good people. Call. Yeah.
0: Our roadies were always the sound engineers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I'm a sound engineer, and so I was like, we gotta have a sound engineer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need a sound guy. Gotta... must sound good.
1: <laughs> Do you have any uh, funny or cool or interesting interactions with like
2: fans at the merch table? <laughs> yeah, there's been some pretty good ones. There was a night in Pomona, which is like outside LA, like mm-hmm. LA suburbs style. And this is after the show, but I'm like loading the merch out into the, you know, into the van. It's like mm-hmm. going in last. Everybody's already yeah. done. I'm just like selling to the stragglers and some guy rolls up on me and he's like, he was like, Hey, and I kind of think he was like, Oh, this last minute guy wants to like buy a t-shirt, which often happens in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And it was like, someone's all like, ah, I not want to get a shirt. Like somebody's <laughs> super, super loaded. And so I'm like, yeah, what can I do for you? And he was like, come here. And he's like, he's got a pen in his hand. And he was like, oh, he wants an autograph. So he clearly thinks I'm somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, he pulls his shirt up and his like entire torso is just like covered in tattoos. There's almost no space. And there's one spot the size of like a silver dollar oval, you know? He's like, sign it right there. And I was like, wait, why? And he was like, because I'm going to get it tattooed over. And I was like. Oh. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. You should have done it. I, that's exactly what everyone yeah. said when I got in the van. They're like, what was that guy talking to you about? And when I told him, they were like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? You could have written anything you wanted. You're a nice person, Corey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a
1: good human. Um,
2: <laughs> there was another night where the venue might have been on that At The Drive-In tour. Where the venue wanted some... Apparently they wanted a percentage of the merch, which isn't weird. It's another reason to get a merch person cuz like yeah, like larger out. shows venues want a percentage of the merch. So you got to count in all the merch, you got to count it all out, you got to work out the numbers, make sure that the numbers work against the cash, and then they get a percentage of just the cash sold on the shirts but not the records because somehow legally that works out. Uh, so <laughs> and it's just a racket no and matter and what it's a, you it's a total scam and it's total bullshit yeah. and we showed up in the venue suddenly wanted a higher percentage than they had negotiated earlier and gabe told them fuck you we're selling merch outside yeah and basically i set up merch in the back of a van with the two doors uh-huh. open nice i had vinyl taped to the doors That's punk. And, like, T-shirts on, like, hangers hanging off of the doors. And I was just selling merch to people outside smoking cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And, um, honestly, I think at the end of the night, the, like, merch numbers weren't significantly lower than they would have been. And certainly the amount that it was lower was not as low as it had been if we'd given them the percentage. Yeah. But at the end of the night, three guys showed up, big kind of, like, burly dudes. Gabe was with them, and Gabe was like, go ahead and hook these dudes up. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, cool. And then, yeah, they're like, yeah, I need a 2X of that one and a 2X of yeah. that one. And I'm like, sure. And, like, I'm hooking these guys up. And I'm like, who are these guys? And I was like, <laughs> and why do they look vaguely familiar? And then when I'm all done, I close up the trailer. I lock it up. I go into the venue to, like, get a beer. mm mm-hmm you know, go into the green room and it's Papa Roach. No. <laughs> <laughs> Papa amazing. Roach was there. And like Papa Roach was like psyched. And they were like oh, I, yes. they were like super excited and they were like actually like genuinely fairly pleasant people to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. Um but I remember it was one of those things I was like, who are these guys? And I was right. like and then later I was like, oh <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I missed the, was it like a big like festival show or were they just there? Uh, they were just there. And I think it was one of the at the drive-in shows. So oh, it's possible okay. that at the okay. drive-in was getting some real juice and they were like, we should yeah. check out these at the drive-in guys. Yeah, And then saw the Murder City Devils and they were like, oh, these yeah. guys are pretty good. Yeah. And,
1: you know. Yeah. Funny when, when you see bands that are actually good. When your band's bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It <laughs>
0: might <My, laughs> blow your fucking mind. Yeah, yeah. The next Papa Roach record was so much better than the last
2: one. <laughs> yeah, they were like, it was like a blend of murder city doubles and at the drive-in vibes. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> would Real be weird.
0: weird. Real weird. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
2: But yeah, I mean, there was always the fact that it's like their audience was a fairly like hard drinking crowd. I kind of had to deal with lunatics on a pretty regular oh, yeah. basis. Yeah. They're a party band. And that yeah. was
1: that was during a big like resurgence of like that greaser rockabilly like oh, yeah. stuff coming oh, back into the yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Murder City Devils were that. like surfing that wave. Yeah, right? I mean they All weren't
0: right. necessarily that kind of music. No. But people no. fucking loved them. Yeah. But, like, here's some kick ass rock and roll. Yeah. 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 Boom. Done.
2: Yeah. That crowd definitely was like, ooh,
0: yeah. And yeah. yeah. I think Oh, after, they wear leather after, after, jackets. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and
2: I think they quit kind of quickly had to start asking people like, Hey, can you stop putting like <laughs> naked chicks on our posters. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Can you... you know, like, yeah, like, like this is not who we are. No this more rat not, finks, please. Yeah, <laughs> this, is not, this is not our deal. This isn't yeah. what we're like. Yeah. And to
1: varying degrees of success. Have you taken your solo stuff on the road? I, I think you have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. What's it like touring by yourself? It's kind of rad. Yeah. I mean, I've done a handful of solo tours with other bands, like mm-hmm. uh, the Godhead Silo Reunion yeah. Tour, and like I've gone out with the Murder City Devils since they've gotten back together, and mm-hmm. I've done solo stuff on those. But I've done a handful of just West Coast tours by myself. Mm-hmm. It's really cool and totally different. When you're the only person in the car, I'm, I'm like touring in a CRV, yeah. you know? and It's, it's yeah. cheap. <laughs> You know, it's cheap. I got like a box of merch. I got like a box of gear, and then I've got like one amp. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I drive until I have to pee. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have to ask anybody else. No, yeah. I pull yeah. the fuck over and I pee and like yeah. I get gas and like maybe I could go 80 more miles on the tank of gas. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, you know, I was like, I'm stopping now or, or like drive and be like, ooh, tacos? Yeah, let's get yeah. tacos. Just like pull over and like, Corey,
1: would you like tacos? Yeah, exactly. Yes, I would, See, like, yeah, some tacos. Corey, I would like some
2: tacos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I did one tour where I wound up not having any shows. I'd booked like Portland on the way back, but like the way down was San Francisco, LA. And then on the way home, I did like Portland. But it meant that like when I left Seattle, I drove from Seattle to Weed. Uh huh. And I stopped in Weed and I stayed at this like nice little, you know, cheesy motel.
1: So for the hopeful many listeners who have not driven the West Coast, Mm -hmm. explain what Weed is.
2: (laughs) Weed is a small town in Northern California. By Mount Shasta. Okay. By Mount Shasta. So I mean, there's aliens, and it's called <laughs> Weed. So there's like lots of Weed-oriented t-shirts you can purchase. They are frightfully aware they that their fr- town is called Weed. They bought in. You a can't. Long time you ago. cannot. Yeah, early yeah, like, adopters. Yeah. They're like, our town is called fucking Weed. We are close to Mount Shasta where people think aliens are. We are going all in on the marijuana. Yeah, buy the reference alien mug. Yeah. Exactly. Says, I got this fucking in weed. Take me to your dealer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An alien smoking a doobie on every corner. Uh-huh. So I drive straight from like Seattle to and it's probably like, I don't know, what, like a ten hour drive, maybe?
1: Yeah, I'd say to Weed. Yeah, it's about yeah. ten hours.
2: So like I drive ten hours to Weed. I stop, I get a room, I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and like crack open a beer. And I just like watched free jazz videos on Mm -hmm. my laptop all night. And I was like, sweet. And I was like, let's watch more Pharaoh Sanders live footage. You know, like, does anybody mind? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm (laughs) like, nobody care. And I'm like texting with my wife. And I'm Uh, like, "Mm," you know, and I was like, man, Solo Tour is the best.
0: Weed is awesome.
2: Yeah, and the shows were all super fun. Your drummer's not wandering yeah, off. Yeah, nobody's missing. And like, I mean, I've been lucky in the sense that like I've never had to tour with any people that were like serious problems. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? As yeah. people are wont to be. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've definitely been on tour with other bands that had people like that, where you'd be yeah. like, Eesh. well, and it is interesting
1: too, like being on being on tour. Like, there are people genuinely who are serious problems, but you're also just like you're just living with people in a very, very uh-huh. confined space and you yeah. don't really have opportunities to get away from people. So like even like it doesn't even have to be serious problems, right? It can just be it can be anything idiosyncrasies. It can be little things that those people do all the time that's just normal to themselves when they're by themselves in their apartment, but it's fucking obnoxious <laughs> when you're in a van with other people. For right. Sure. Like it's like five days later, and you ten can't days get later. away from it. So it yeah. just builds and builds and builds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. I can imagine that
2: would be a nice part of touring by yourself. It's very simple and easy, and also I'm old and boring now. So I was it's like, just
1: gonna say, it sounds like touring for ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's one hundred. So nice. Yeah, it's one hundred percent touring for grown-ups, and it's like. But one of the benefits you do have with touring with a band or a group is the you have you have numbers, right? So oh you're, yeah, you're a little bit less fuck with the bull. Yeah, that's yeah. True. Have you been fucked with by yourself? Uh, have you had moments where you like? God, I wish I had some people here to back me up right now.
2: Actually, I've been lucky enough that it hasn't happened. Uh-huh. Though I have rolled into a few scenarios where it'd be like, I am totally alone. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> right. Like, if people wanted to like rip me off, it would take two of them. Basically, yeah. One, yeah. one to distract me and one to walk off with all of my shit. That is the thing about like going out on tour with a bunch of people is that like you kind of turn into a gang, yeah. yeah, whether you want to or not. And, and, and some of that is, like, youthful energy yeah. and exuberance. Well, and, it might not be
0: realistic. but Yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: and, and, like, but also a lot of that's, like, super true. Like, you you can roll into, like, a small town or even a big town and, like, you run into just a bunch of shitheads that just, like, want to fuck with somebody that they're not going to see the next day. Yeah. Yeah. There was a show that the Murder City Devils played in the southwest somewhere. I was set up in, like, a courtyard behind the club. Weird. But it's like the Southwest in the summertime. So oh, it's totally like... weird. Yeah, so it's totally like 75 degrees yeah. at like 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in the club, so I don't know what the vibe is like in the club at all. But these two kids come up, you know, they point at something on the table. And they're like, can we take a look at one of these? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I turn around and I grab it and I turn back around again. And there's like shit missing from the table. And I'm like, uh, no, you guys are stealing shit off the table. And they're like, no, we're not. And I was like... Sure. And I basically I turned around to put like the record back or the <laughs> shirt back. I turned back around and more shit is fucking gone and <laughs> these kids are gone. Yeah. yeah. But I mean it's all just display items. So yeah. it's just like, oh, you got a CD? Yeah. Like great. It's probably had beer spilled on it. Yeah, exactly. Time. Like I've it's been using Gunkie. that same CD yeah. as the display CD for like four tours. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> <And> <laughs> cracked as shit. But then it became kind of clear that like the crowd inside was sort of gnarly and was like there you know, some fights were breaking out and I don't know if like the band got into it with anybody in the audience or not. But at one point I went out to the van to like grab something just like real fast, very fast because I knew the longer I was gone, the more likely shit was going to (laughs) be super duper missing. Uh Um, I knew that the band was, like, right behind me coming with gear. And I saw just a fucking garbage can through the fucking windshield of the van. Oh, my God. And when just, like, stopped and just, like, sunk. I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> and Because it's like, that's our home. Yeah. Like, dude. It's home base. And it's like, I was like, shit. And, like, I turned around. I saw the band, like, coming towards me, like, with gear. I just kind of was, like, shaking my head. And they're like, what's going on, dude? And I was like. I'm going to go deal with the merch. I'm really sorry. And they're like, huh? <laughs> and then and as I'm walking back in the venue, I just hear like, so we go like, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh,
0: that's so, and I so think bad.
2: they, yeah, I can't remember if the, they also slashed our tires that night. But, I mean, that shit fucking happens. Yeah. yeah. yeah I Then
1: mean, you got to drive around with a hole in your windshield.
0: <laughs> to go get your windshield fixed the yeah. next day. Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. I think. Did you guys miss a show? Uh, we did not miss a show. Someone slept in the van because, you know, there's yeah. a giant yeah. fucking hole. And, like, he probably went there at like 5 a.m. and dealt with it. And by the time yeah. everybody woke up, it was already fine. Yeah. Because that's what Gabe does. That's how Gabe. That's, is. that's what I've heard. Yeah. I've heard the
1: man's a legend. The,
2: he is, he <laughs> we is met him once untouchable. Yeah. The gentleman of gentlemen's. He yeah. is so great. Uh, after the Murder City Devils broke up, they started a new band called Deadlow Tide. Mm-hmm. And it was Cody. Nate, Spencer, and Gabe, and Mike Kunka from Godhead Silo, uh-huh. Enemy Mine. They did two tours, and then they broke up. I was but,
1: really sad that band didn't go on to do more stuff. It was that a was, good, it was, it was a, a good band. That was some good shit. Yeah.
2: I got to do both tours. They did a West Coast tour with the Melvins. Basically, the Melvins were like, we want to do... Two and a half weeks down the west coast, where we play every town, like every fucking town. <laughs> fucking Melvins. The Melvins played like fourteen dates down the west coast uh-huh. with like no days. No off.
0: driving. Yeah, zero driving. <laughs> it's like boom. I've been like lazy. half an okay hour done. every day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty
2: sure like Deadlow Tide did like four shows before they didn't just drive back home. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Because it was like yeah. Bellingham, Seattle, Olympia, sleep in your own bed, Tacoma, Portland. And then finally it was like, okay, cool. Now we're going to keep going. <laughs> which was
1: incredible. But then it sucks cuz you've got 11 hours to kill before you get in the van and drive. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Which was awesome. Also getting to see the Melvins every night was oh, kind, kind of, of incredible. Yeah. Um yeah. but they did a full US and I missed a week and a half of it cuz I was actually moving to Seattle from Bellingham at the time. Uh, I met up with them somewhere in the south and did like the rest of the tour and We rolled into the Middle East Club in Boston. We go into the green room, and there's just a plate with a cheeseburger on it with one (laughs) bite taken out of it. (laughs) The guy is, like, showing us the green room. He's like, oh, yeah, here's the green room. There's waters. We'll get some beers in here for you guys soon. You know, yada, yada, you know, towels and a shower if you guys, whatever. And we're all like, what's up with this cheeseburger? That right there, what's yeah, that? what's going on with this cheeseburger? And he's like, oh, and he seems super annoyed. He's like, uh, yeah, well, yesterday, all day, Public Enemy were recording a live DVD here. It was a real pain in the ass because there's, like, a lot of technical stuff that we needed to, more than your average show. Yeah. He's like, so it's a little more complicated, and so we're all trying to be on our A-game. And, like, they start a song, and in the middle of the song, Flavor Flaves just starts, like, yelling, like, yo, I want to get a cheeseburger because <laughs> there's a restaurant upstairs. Uh, of oh, yeah. So uh, imagine like if Numo's was like the basement and there was just like a restaurant up top, you know, it's yeah. like kind of that sure. size, kind of that vibe, maybe a little bigger. And he's like, I want a cheeseburger. I'm not going to do any more music until I get a cheeseburger. And <laughs> everyone else <laughs> in the band is like, uh, really? <laughs> and Flavor Flavor apparently like sits down and they're like, no, 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 we're actually going to do more songs. And I think they continued to play, but he was like, I'm not working until I get a cheeseburger <laughs> oh my delivered God. to the stage.
1: Holy shit.
2: And so, you know how long it takes to get a cheeseburger from uh, like yeah. an actual, not like from McDonald's, from an actual like restaurant, restaurant. Yeah, they got a it, takes, it takes a fucking minute. <laughs> yeah. Eventually a cheeseburger makes its way to the stage. <laughs> Flavor Flav takes one bite of it and sets it back down and then continues with the set. Uh. Someone <laughs> takes the cheeseburger away and puts it in the green room where we come upon it the next day. <laughs> Now, we all realize it's not every day that you get to interact with Flavor Flav's cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> and someone had noticed. I that, almost spilled <laughs> <in> my beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, Holy crap. So, um, and someone in the band had noticed that we were next door to a hobby shop. Uh-huh. We're like, cool. So we're going to go to this hobby shop and we're going to buy shellac. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> and resin, and we are going to... I was so hoping you were going to say this. <laughs> oh, yes. We are going to shellac and preserve Flavor Flav's Cheeseburger. Uh-huh. These are not ideal conditions, mm-hmm. but we take Flavor Flav's Cheeseburger out to the parking lot, run into the hobby shop. Someone gets, you know, all the shellac or, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever.
1: Resin. Resin, yeah. and we
2: just start, like, mixing it up in the parking lot because we know it's super stinky. You can't yeah. do that yeah. in a green room. We yeah. don't want to do it in the van. Yeah, so we're doing it in a parking lot, which is quite dusty, and all that stuff's gonna really, you know, keep your seal from being uh-huh. sound. Yes. Gotcha. But we did our best, and I would say that we did a damn good job. <laughs> and Flavor Flav's preserved shellac cheeseburger, like, lived on the dashboard of the van for the rest of the tour. Holy shit. And for a long time Gabe had it at his house. He eventually moved into a house that was like previously owned by like an old lady and you know how old ladies will often have fancy plates on oh. display yeah. so they've got those little plate stands uh-huh. or whatever. And I feel like it was in like in a place of uh reverence and respect honor. Yeah. and honor for a long time. Though it did start to shrink over the years. Like every <laughs> time you would look at it. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not like um over, like, the years, like, the lettuce <laughs> would start to kind of turn <laughs> underneath. And, uh-huh. You know, like, picture a Dorian Gray style. Oh. Like, <laughs> you're like, oh, Good somewhere reference. there's a, a cheeseburger that's not aging. Uh-huh. But, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, this, it was aging, I'd say, quite slowly, considering. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but none of us are exempt from the ravages of time. Right. Not even Flavor Flav's cheeseburger. No. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: So, and, so it finally met its end? Or is uh, it still Honestly, there?
2: now it's missing. No one knows where it is What? Now. Yeah. A couple of years ago, Derek Erdman caught wind of this story. Derek Erdman, notorious prankster, former sub-pop receptionist. Oh, okay. Um, artist, painter, puller of pranks. Heard this story and was like, I must see Flavor Flav's cheeseburger. Gabe looked for it and couldn't find it. Hmm. Interesting. So we're, none of us are entirely sure. The case of the missing Flavor Flav's no. cheeseburger. Exactly.
1: Does anybody know where Flavor Flav was
2: the night it went missing? <laughs> <That> is, <laughs> now we're talking. And, unfortunately, that means that we never got to turn it into a clock and turn that clock into a necklace. Holy shit.
0: Uh, that would have been meta.
1: Dude, I would have just put that thing on a fucking glass case in my house. and just Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And that Dead Tide tour actually had some other kind of amazing shit like that. Not Nothing as amazing as Flavor Flav's cheeseburger. Yeah. Which there isn't. But there was a night on that tour where we had the night off. There were two incredible nights off on that tour. One where we were like rolled into some like random like tiny motel in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, right across the street was like like a Walmart or like a Super Target or like something some huge box store and we we're like, "Oh, well, well what do we want? We should figure out what we want before we go." And we we're like, "We want Mad Libs. <laughs> <laughs> First thing. First thing yeah. like we should get some drinks. We should, you know, games, like something fun." And I knew that I needed, uh, like, more duct tape. You know, uh, it's a classic tour shit. I was yeah, like, sure. oh, I'm out of yeah. duct tape. I, so I walk into this, like, Walmart, and it's, like, 11 o'clock at night. I, like, go and look at the duct tape, and there's, like, camo hunting duct tape. And I was like, ooh, shit, yeah. yeah. You need that. <laughs> I was like, I need this. This is the duct tape I need. And while I'm there, like, I see, like, ski masks. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, ooh, ski masks. And I was like. <laughs> That'll go good with the Mad Libs. Uh, <laughs> Actually, you know, memory serves, this was the night on a Murder City Devils tour. So I get the duct tape. I get the ski mask. I go to, like, find something to, like, drink. And I found, like, a pre-mixed half gallon of Kahlua mudslide. All right. And I was Ooh. like, sure, that'll do. Yeah. I look around for Mad Libs. I can't find Mad Libs anywhere. So I get in line to pay for this stuff. And the guy is, like, looking at my purchases of, like, a ski mask, <laughs> duct tape, and Kahlua mudslide. And he was yeah. like, do you need anything else? And I'm like... Got any Mad Libs? <laughs> the guy's like, I don't think we do. I don't think we do have Mad Libs. And I'm like, okay, cool. Fair enough.
0: And I was but like, do just... you need some roofies? I was like, to just
1: any number of other products to get a young girl into yeah, your car. Maybe sick. some Benadryl.
2: <laughs> so I just, I just took the ski mask and the duct tape and uh, the Kahlua mudslide, went back to. You know, went back to the hotel room. Dried my clue a mudslide. That ski mask came in handy because it was actually a Murder City Devils tour with Botch, and I would put on the ski mask and do a stage dive during their set. Oh, right. <laughs> I kind of like during the Botch set. Yeah, okay. I knew like when it would get super duper dark, and because they had like all their lights, mm-hmm. their stage lights or whatever. And when the lights would come back up, I would just like run from the back of the stage as the lights were coming up in a ski mask, which I did twice and landed on my head twice Ooh. and stopped doing that. <laughs> it would have been a really good shtick except for the headland. Yeah, part. except for the headland.
1: That's the, awesome. You gotta go on tour with botch. I guess I should have assumed that, but I never knew that those guys toured together. I love that because that's like a slice of Seattle at that yeah. at that yeah. moment, right? Like that. Yeah. I have such fond memories of Seattle during that time where it was like botch was huge. Trial was huge. Murder City was huge. Mm-hmm. It was like a pretty eclectic mix yeah, it of bands it was
0: like bunch Juno of Juno was bands.
1: playing all the time. like Juno was really big mm-hmm. back then. Um, a lot
0: of good indie rock was just coming up, yeah, and coming out and yet, there was all this crazy mathy noise shit that was happening and yeah. you'd go
1: you'd go see shows that were packed with these great bands, yeah. And they're all like a little bit different. It's so cool that they just like yeah, and then, serving slices of Seattle pie across the country. And then it's also awesome. like
2: at, at that same time, it was all those like young bands like Catheters, yeah. Blood Brothers, like yeah. Kimbo, yeah. Teen Cthulhu. All those bands were like kind of just getting started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Botch tours were super duper fun. And it was really great to see them play every night and just do yep. their thing. It was incredible. Yeah. Actual story I was thinking of after Flavor Flav's Cheeseburger <laughs> was... A similar scenario where we pulled into, like, a giant parking lot where there's a motel in one corner, you know, a Walmart in another corner, Mm -hmm. and then a strip mall. Had the night off, but it was early. Usually when you have a night off, you have to drive all day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're not even getting to where you're going. So a day off is just another day in the van, except for it's a longer day in the van. Yeah. And you're not getting to where you're going until it's, like, 10 o'clock at night, and then it's just time to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason, it worked out that we had this day off, and the drive was not super long. And we got into where we were staying at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon or something. Across the parking lot from where we were staying was a Joanne's Fabrics, a Radio Shack, (laughs) and a grocery store, a couple other things. And all tour, we'd been, as often happens on tour, like, someone will hear a song on the radio, like, day one Uh and start singing it. And then that becomes, like, the joke for the rest of tour is just, like some dumbass line from some dumbass song uh-huh. and it just like follows you around. I feel like this has happened to me like multiple times with multiple songs. For some reason on this tour, it was Megadeth's Symphony of Destruction. <laughs> okay. And it was the just like the marionettes line. Mm-hmm.
1: he would do it for us, right? Oh,
2: I don't know if I've still got it. <clears throat> <laughs> but like, so it, just as a joke, we would all just be like, just like the marionettes. Like to each other way constantly, says it is so as funny. a joke. Yeah. yeah, it's Dave Mustaine's hilarious. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like. We've been making marionettes jokes the whole time. We're like, okay, cool. We got a night off. There's a Joanne's Fabrics. There's a Radio Shack. (laughs) Everyone's putting their name into a hat. We're all pulling a name out of the hat. Whoever's name you get, you get 20 minutes in Joanne's Fabrics to buy everything you need to make a marionette of that
0: person. Oh, that would be so much fun.
1: And you couldn't tell anyone who you got. I'm just thinking about the poor Joanne's Fabrics employees.
2: Yeah. I was feeling with, yes. come in and with to the time, Crazy yeah. motherfuckers walking
0: in out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, so... We all run into Joanne's fabrics, and we're all trying to avoid each other because, like, based on, like, what you're purchasing, like, people might be able to figure out, like, who you're building. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't want to know who anybody was building until basically we were, like, in the hotel or motel yeah. or whatever and, like, actually building it. And it's, like, stopwatch style. Like, you can't go over 20 minutes. Was anyone playing referee? Was honest honor system? Honestly, no. I think, like, oh, no, we didn't go in all at once. Oh, it was, Okay. Like, Everyone's in the van timing you. Oh my god! Yeah, so So this is just
0: taking forever, and but it's worth it though.
2: I think we maybe sent people into yeah sure, but whatever. And so like we get back to the room, and like everyone's just got these like Joanne's fabric bags (laughs) with like glue and like pieces of fabric and like string, and like we're all like trying to figure out how to make a marionette, and it's like not really smartphone times yet. Oh yeah, you know it's like it's like two thousand two, two thousand three, maybe. So it's like. If you've got a phone, it's like a you know burner phone, like it's not you can't Google. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle of it and everyone's starting to like build their puppets, we figured out that every person who drew a name, that person drew their name. Oh my god. There's three pairs. That's not there a, was six of us. That's not the odds are really high against that. Yeah, it was super weird. Like I got Mike Kunkka. Mike Kunkka got me. Oh, like that's um, like Gabe got Cody, Cody got Gabe. And, huh. like, Nate and Spencer got each other. Yeah. It was really weird and super fun. It was, like, one of the most fun nights I've had on tour where you're just, like, <laughs> craft night. <Kraft laughs> let's
0: do this. Like, I love that. You still that have is your so not macho. Everything about that is amazing. <laughs> like, just oh, yeah, go no. for it. Go get into that Joanne Fabrics. Get deep into that. Oh, yeah. absolutely.
1: <laughs> the very first Akimbo Tinkathulu tour, Brandon had lofty goals of dming a D game in the <laughs> van for us which is like like totally like the nerdiest thing you and could do on like, tour but like as it's gonna work yeah you want it to that's work that's a tough thing to do yeah didn't really happen we tried we tried for one day and we're uh-huh. like this is not gonna work
0: <laughs> you'd think it would because you're in you know if you're in a van for eight hours yeah fuck yeah, it, it. It, it let's seemed, throw some
1: dice it seemed perfect know? yeah
0: i love this talk so yeah, good. it's and it's also funny
2: talking about it because it's like starting that one story and being like, oh, no, that was a completely different tour. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in my mind up until now, I was like, that all happened in the same week. And I was like, no, those are like two years apart. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was uh, also thinking about what you were talking about with like the three week wall. I would hit that wall, but there would still be another week. Yeah. And that week was weird. It's, and it, I never realized that I could be homesick because I love being out on the road so much. I started like emailing people that I hadn't talked to. You know, like in a long time, just to get some sort of like contact, you sure. know, like somebody different than someone I've been texting or whatever. It's like, yeah. It's really emotional. It's a weird scene for me to realize that. Like, what are you doing right now, Jeff? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and why? Oh, I think you're homesick.
1: Akimbo definitely had a couple tours, especially towards the end, that were like, just didn't really go that well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're on like, yeah, that's the threshold. It's like week three ish out of five or six it's not going well and you're just bummed you're like god i just want to I kind of want to be home right now yeah it sucks <laughs> yeah. but then to bring
0: back the black flag analogy you still have to go on stage and you gotta fucking kill it yeah because you have to like that's number one yeah you have to fucking kill it when you're on stage otherwise what's the point of even being there yeah i got a half-ass it in front of a bunch of strangers right you, know, you gotta throw
2: down yeah and on those like murder city tours It was one of those things where I was like, it doesn't really matter if you're homesick or tired or whatever. When you get into that venue, you're going to talk to at least 200 people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm going to talk to at least
2: 200 people every single night. And another reason to like having a merch person is like, you kind of turn into like a frequently asked questions booth. Yeah. Of like, (laughs) which record is this on? Yeah. Which one do you like? Like, how do you think the shirts fit? Yeah. I was going to say that. How do the shirts fit? That's the question I always ask. How do the shirts fit? (laughs) Good question. I'll tell you, it's going to be totally different after you wash it. Yeah. FAQ. <laughs> well, I've found that this
0: one. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
2: and so it's sort of like, it doesn't really matter if you're like tired or in a bad mood or whatever. It's like, you're still going to interact with like a few hundred people in very quick succession. Yeah. And a none, loud, And loud. it's going to be loud. Yeah, so yeah. you're gonna be like yelling conversations yeah, with strangers
1: all night. Yeah, you're not talking to two hundred people. You're yelling with two hundred people. Yeah, one hundred percent, totally. That's yeah. some old,
0: That is some intense customer service. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm a huge nerd for Godhead Silo. Mm-hmm, I me fucking too. love that band. Oh Jeff yeah, does too. You got to tour with them. What was that
2: like? It was awesome. Yeah, I got really lucky in the sense that I got to be friends with Mike during the Deadlow Tide days, yeah. and then after Deadlow Tide, Mike. And Dan from Godhead Silo started a band with Spencer called Smoke, Smoke and Smoke. Smoke.
0: Oh, I forgot about that band. Yeah. That band Which was, was great.
2: It was a great band. And hung out with those dudes. And, you know, then I met Dan Haug. And they got offered to play in Fargo and did it. And then they got some offers on the West Coast, like Seattle and Portland, mm-hmm. and asked me if I wanted to, like, do merch and open. Because they were, like, 100% did not want to play with, like, metal bands like heavy, heavy they bands to, they didn't want to play with anybody Silas super loud back, yeah. bro yeah, yeah. They, oh my <laughs> god
0: we have <laughs> to play that show and it's a six-band bill all of a sudden yeah, yeah and they're
2: like why would we want to play with someone loud why would we want to play with someone heavy we're already doing that mm-hmm. yeah my solo stuff assuming 100 percent people listening to this have never heard it <laughs> is uh it's it's like uh very sort of like trip hop and lounge inspired stuff and that's yeah, like, great my vocals are kind of like croony and it's also very experimental like there's like noisier ambient stuff happening and they're like yeah great cool you come and open you sell merch you also take up very little room <laughs> like I'm a dude with a suitcase yeah. you know so it's like I
0: can get in the van super easy yeah well let's listen to some of that now and we'll talk more after
2: I So then we toured through the Midwest, like, in the winter of 2017. Oh, touring in like, Midwest in the winter.
0: What fun. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is t- totally something, like... It's hard mode. They're from Fargo, though, originally, right? <laughs> they're from right? fucking so they Fargo. Fucking they don't yeah. care. They yeah. don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, they breathe this. Yeah. So, yeah, we drove straight from Seattle to Minot, North Dakota, mm-hmm. to play a free show. It was... I think six degrees below zero, like not six degrees below freezing. Yeah. Six degrees below zero. Yeah. and
1: <laughs> Which is 36 below freezing. Yeah. So it's
2: like <laughs> the whole town is a fucking like ice rink. You get out of the van and your boogers freeze. Spit <laughs> <laughs> like, <instantly>. nice cubes. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Like, before this tour, like, I went to like the army surplus spot and yeah. got like long underwear and socks. Good idea and quickly figured out day one, I needed to wear two pairs of socks. I was like, oh, this pair of socks is not working. I need two pairs. After that, we're like rolling towards Fargo, and it kind of like starts sitting, and I was like, I'm going to get to fucking open for Godhead Silo in Fargo. Sick. I was like, this is going to be fucking sick. Yeah. We roll into Fargo, and it is now 10 below zero. The venue is three floors up. It's on the third floor of a building. Without an elevator. I may have played this place. And and the thing about opening the aquarium, I think it's called?
1: I think so. I think Akimbo played there. Yeah. yeah. So
2: the thing about opening for Godhead Silo in Fargo that I didn't take into account is I would also be carrying a Godhead Silo's amount of gear up three flights of stairs in 10 below zero (laughs)
0: weather. Yeah, (laughs) let's talk about that for a second. Godhead Silo, they're the original... We have a shit ton of fucking guitar gear, and our drum set is ginormous. Not with many pieces. Not many pieces, but the pieces but themselves piece. are ginormous. Yeah, and big they- drum kit, big amount of amps. Yeah. Ridiculous. The first time I saw Godhead Silo and there are two Seattle. guys. There are two, two pieces. For the
1: people who don't piece. know, it's two people on enough gear for seven. They started all that. they started doing that when like Reverend Horton Heat was cool. It's true. They did it way before <laughs> it was it was a anyone br- else. huge <laughs> breath of fresh air when they moved to Seattle.
0: And we the word got around immediately. Holy shit, there's this fucking band. They're living in Olympia, I think, at the time. They're the heaviest band I've ever seen. And I went and saw him right after that. And I'm not even joking. There was a dude holding up, and you can't see my hands, but he was holding up the amplifiers behind the stack just so it wouldn't fall over because it was <laughs> rocking. And it was crucial fucking moment <laughs> I didn't in my see life. The, I didn't see them at the off-ramp. I saw them
2: at the Velvet Elvis.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It was insane. Like, it was like... A wall
0: of... Yeah, it was like... Literally crushing.
2: Literally a, like a wall of amps, like a an Iron
0: Maiden's amount of amps on stage. <laughs> yeah. For like one guy playing bass. Yeah. Through it. And their drummer just still somehow competing yeah. with that level yeah. of heaviness.
2: So while we're loading this gear up three flights of stairs in 10 below weather... <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It, no shit starts to happen on a structural cellular level the door handle broke off in someone's hand <laughs> to the van what oh, to, the van? to the van oh no <laughs> the back door the one where the uh-huh. gear is yeah yeah the one that gets you to the gear because it's in the van cage yeah you know yeah. what i mean you yeah. build the cage in for your safety. tour van mm-hmm. for safety so that if somebody breaks in the front they can't get to the gear yeah. they break in the back they can't get to your shit. The van door broke off in someone's hand because it was so brittle from being fucking frozen. That's amazing. And it's locked. Yeah. Which means it's fucking locked locked. Yeah. And luckily, you're like, okay, so we can get in the front of the van, peel off that little like plywood wall that they'd like built, Mm -hmm. get in there and like pry out the entire panel of the door to get to where the lock is. And hit it with a screwdriver and a hammer to unlock the door.
0: <laughs> that is hardcore. That would be so hard.
2: And we eventually got the door back open again. The whole time it was happening, I was like, the van door froze off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's like shit that happens in
1: movies. Right? Yeah, yeah, It's like that happens in Jurassic Park when you're yeah. being chased by velociraptors. <laughs> like,
2: oh, no. like later on, my wife texted me and was like, how's tour going? <laughs> I replied with, the van door froze off. <laughs> yeah, <Send>. like period
0: <laughs> like no explanation
2: and I was actually talking to Gabe about this a little while ago about like either like something got cancelled for like a fairly lame reason or I had to cancel something for a fairly lame reason and I was like oh I'm losing street cred forever for this one and then I like asked Gabe I was like or do I still kind of have decent cred for opened for Godhead Silo in Fargo and the it was so cold the van door froze off and he
0: was like Oh yeah, no, that one doesn't go away. Yeah, you got credit for life on <laughs> that one. He was like, one. "That
2: one sticks around."
0: I love that Godhead Amazing. Silo is is smart enough to be like, "I'm gonna get this one guy to open up for us, so that when we play, we're gonna sound even more intense." And that's oh. a really smart thing to do. Oh yeah, it's genius. You go see four punk bands or heavy metal bands
2: in a row. By the time you get to the one you actually want to see, like your ears are t- yeah, you're kind of brain dead at that point. It's yeah, like that's kind of why I've always preferred mixed shows. Mixed shows of just the best. Or at least you know, like if there's gonna be well, like three band
1: bill. Oh my uh, God. So two, you two, a, two, you hear it, you hear it, Seattle. Oh, <laughs> you one downed me. <laughs>
2: yeah. three no, band bill. Three Three is three is three. I like three three is good. Three is the magic number. Two is real, real nice. I'm also a big fan of like, let's go see one band play two sets.
0: Oh, that is a oh, that is a really weird thing to say, yeah. but you know I can dig that. Yeah.
2: yeah, I'm into that.
1: Real quick pop quiz, and there is a correct answer. What is the best Godhead Silos song title?
2: I Love Unicorns. Yes.
1: <laughs> That's my favorite song title. My favorite is Bunsen Over the Johnson. Bunsen <laughs> well, Over the Johnson's pretty good. That makes uh, me laugh.
2: Precipice of Ice is a great song title. Uh, There's no bad ones Another really. Schizoid yeah. Embolism, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is like um uh-huh, Total yes. recall reference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just super good.
0: <laughs> just I genius.
2: Mean, I, those guys had just like hits. Mm-hmm. Elephantitis of the Night. Elephantitis yep. of
0: the Night, yeah. Uh, oh, by the way. Alex Newport, same guy I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast, mm-hmm. he recorded that record. Ah, yeah. It's the last record he did before he moved out of Seattle. That's a nice portfolio. Yeah. Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> <they. laughs>
1: <laughs> Corey. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you for having
0: me. It's been a it's
1: real awesome. pleasure. So good.
2: Talking about road dogging. Mm-hmm. So good
1: getting to like actually like hang out with you and talk with you. Yeah, totally. I've known who you are for fucking over a decade. At least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so awesome to hear some of your stories. Yeah, Thanks for thank coming
0: you. by. Hey, since we both like the band so much, John, I think we should play some Mandate on the way out. Yeah.
1: That was the chat with Corey. That was a lot of fun. That was super good. So I don't want to dig in too hard into Corey at the end there, but man, I got to say, there is a correct answer to the best (laughs) Godhead Silo song (laughs) title. In in your
0: opinion, what is that? It's the one I
1: said, Bunsen over the Johnson. (laughs) That's the best one. I mean, they're all wonderful. They're all clever. They're all very, very tongue-in-cheek. Bunsen over the Johnson is the best because what the fuck does that even mean? No one knows. What is a Johnson?
0: And how, and how does one bunsen over said Johnson? <laughs> you know what I think it is? I think it's a BMX reference. Probably. Because they're like BMX dudes, right?
1: Are they? I mean, I they, don't have, know they have the BMX, BMX
0: shit all over there.
1: On the Elephantitis of the Night yeah. album, Is <laughs> the album's called Elephantitis of the Night. I know. And the album cover is just a dude doing a sweet BMX yeah. jump. I feel like they're BMX dudes. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it, it does sound like a BMX thing. Either way, take a minute, everyone out there, take a minute, think about it. What is a Jensen? And how does one Bunsen over (laughs) a Jensen? And you'll be laughing in 20 seconds like I
0: always do when I think of that song title. That's the kind of thing that we would always do when we'd get a new Godhead Silo record is we'd bring it home and then everybody would gather around and laugh about all the song titles. You flip it over. No, read the song titles. That shit's hilarious. So good.
1: (laughs) Skyward and Triumph. It was just like, that song has a five-minute bass solo, which is one note. <laughs> they, they
0: do whatever they want. So good. They covered In the Air Tonight. That is, And it's great. It crushes. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, no. And then I heard it, and I'm like, yes.
1: Yeah, it's so funny because, like, we, you and I, uh, as you can hear, we're such godhead silo yeah, nerds, nerds, and we're fucking geeking out over talking to their merch guy. <laughs> Thank
0: you, Corey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Super good to have Corey on the show. Amazing. We got a bunch of great people in the pipe coming up soon. Um, Not just metal. Not just metal and punk. Yeah. That was actually one of the things that I was really hoping we could do with this show is not just have it be a bunch of straight white guys talking (laughs) about the hard times. Throwing down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also like diverse in the sense of the artists that we talk to, right? Yeah, the music in general. Yeah. Not just have it be a bunch of metal bands. I mean, it's going to be a bunch of metal bands because... That's what we know. (laughs) It's what we love and what we know. And uh, to get the show off the ground, that's kind of who we have to talk to for a little bit. But I'm really hoping that we can talk to a pretty eclectic mix. Hey, if there's any um, stand-up comedians out there. That's a great idea. People who have been on tour to support your art, whatever that art might be, we'd love to hear from you. If you have crazy stories from just putting yourself out there and doing everything you can to play and perform for people, we want to know about it. TomorrowWediePodcast at gmail.com. Get in touch. Send us some
0: stories. Tell us what you think.
1: This show is about touring musicians telling incredible stories from their lives as they remember them. Humans are generally pretty great, but we all know that memory fades over time, and that in the moment, people interpret situations differently based on their personality, background, state of mind, drugs they were on, intoxication level, etc., etc.
0: The important thing to get across here is that at no point should these stories be considered hard facts or perfectly accurate portrayals of real events. If by some chance you were there for something that was talked about on this show or know someone who was and heard a different side of the story. If
1: you feel we've been inaccurate or misrepresentative in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out help us set the record straight. Tomorrow We Die podcast at gmail.com. We'll read everything.
0: And to any road worries out there who might be listening, we want to hear your stories too. If you have a crazy moment from the road you want to share with us, then please drop us a line on email.
1: Write it up as succinctly as possible, please. We don't want to read your autobiography. And if we have the time, we'll read it on a future episode. Feel free to plug yourself and the band as well. Again, the email address is Tomorrow We Die Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com.
0: And once again, I'm Jeffrey McNulty.
1: And I'm John Wisniewski. And this is Tomorrow, Tomorrow We Die. Yeah. Find us on the internet here for Twitter at Tomorrow We Die PC instagram at tomorrow we die podcast and again the email address is tomorrow we die podcast at gmail.com please if you like the show
0: subscribe to the podcast feed smash that subscribe button just smash it podcast production by myself jeffrey m mcnulty at the pachinko parlor seattle washington the background music is from null frequency impulse thanks so much for listening